It is such a joy to be here. We had we had an, an amazing time last night, and I was just just so glad. It's good when God shows up. You can have church, and um, when He doesn't show up, you can say, "Well, I remember when He showed up." But this is an atmosphere that gives life, and uh, I'm breathing some of it. Thank you so much for the worship and and for being here for all of those who I haven't seen in a long time. It's a real delight to be here with Apostle Kirshner. Some fellowship that I had with him last night was just stimulating, encouraging. You're, you're around people sometimes, and, and you realize, man, what have I been doing? Uh, when you hear what God's done in Mexico and how he's doing it there, and um, I'm grateful. We've gone through a lot over the past few years. Our dialogue has changed, our vocabulary has changed, Everything has changed, and we live in a new world, whether you like it or not. And so I'm just discovering some of the things that have taken place in my life, how we have to change so much. There are things that in 19, what, 2019, um, I had a calendar uh, for what I was going to do in 2020, and um, all that changed. Everything changed, and so it's amazing how God can allow something to take place in your life and you make adjustments when people say, oh, I, I just can't change, and then you realize that you can. You can change. The mystery of COVID-19 was that it changed the rules for everything. I can walk into a bank now with a mask on. <laughs> and get money and leave without handcuffs on. Just, just, it's, it's a new world. It's a new world. We used to say I wouldn't touch that person with the six foot pole and now that's the standard. Six feet. That's where we are. But there's certain things that God is up to. And what he says, he says, the heavens belong to me but the earth I've given to the children of men. And you and I, even though we are saying God's in charge, he really is saying, yes, I am, but I put you in charge. So what's going on in your world is going on in your world, either because you have taken responsibility for it or because you're saying, well, it's not my problem. And, but this is our problem. What's going on in the nation and in the world it's our problem, and we can do something about it. Tell somebody next to you, say, I'm not helpless. God's equipped me. He's given me all that I need to accomplish my assigned task. <clears throat> Isaiah said it like this. He says, here am I, my wife and my children, and we are for signs and wonders. We are for signs and wonders. You are a sign that God intends to use to make people wonder. I love, uh, I love Jewish humor. I've been, been reading some things that have been impacting my life. And uh, one of the things that I've discovered is that gratitude is something that people don't really think about a whole lot. And uh, there's a story in the Jewish community of a young of a grandma walking along the beach 
with her grandson, and he's dressed to the nines. And, um, and they're just having a great time. And suddenly, a, a huge wave comes up and grabs the kid and just pulls him out into the water. And the mother's standing there, grandma, she's saying, God, please, I, I, gotta, I can't go home without my grandson. Please do it. And another wave comes in, and he lands right beside her. And she looks at him, and she says, thank you, God. But where's his hat? <laughs> you, you, <laughs> you guys get this? I mean, it's like, I'm grateful, but you left out something. I'm grateful. I'm grateful. I'm grateful for my, my doctor being here with me, doctor and his wife. We, Dr. Basron, would you just stand? I love you guys. It's my take. <clears throat> yeah. I can, they, they used to live in Pittsburgh. Now they're living in Napa Valley, is it? At Napa, someplace like that. Great. I don't know why he's there, but I'm happy he's happy. And I'm, and I'm glad he's with us today. It's, we walked together for a number of years, and I can understand when Paul speaks of Luke as the beloved physician. Uh, we shared so many good times together, and, and it's great to have somebody who is spirit-filled, who believes in healing, and also believes that medicine isn't all that bad. Amen. Because I don't believe Excedrin really gets it sometimes. But um, Excedrin is not, when, you're, when your body's aching, it's not, it's not a demonstration that you have a need for Excedrin. You might need to change some of your habits. And, and he's talked to me about certain things, that, and I didn't always agree with him until I needed to. And uh, God helps you in a number of ways. I want to bring you greetings from Pastor Barbara. She's doing well. She's been working through what it's like to be 84, and she's beautiful. And I told her one day, I said, uh, in fact, the, we were married for two weeks, and uh, she was sleeping, and I was looking at her, and I, was, I thought, man, she is beautiful, man. How did you do this? And uh, she, she woke up, and she says, what are you thinking? I said, I don't feel like I'm married. She said, well, just adjust your feelings to the facts. <laughs> and, and that was a life lesson for me. And I have been adjusting my feelings to the facts ever since. We've been married almost 51 years, and um, still going strong. Yesterday, she had a healing service, and uh, she's working through. We call her the Energizer Bunny. It's just hard to get her to stop. I said, what's it like being married for 50 years? And she tells people, she says, we've never discussed divorce, but murder has come up several times. <laughs> And I'm, I just want you to know that I'm not the one who talks about, <laughs> about murder. Do you have a Bible? Great. When you get ready to preach and work on a message, it's good to have a Bible around. Let's see if I can get this sorted out. Would you, would you look with me, please, at um, Colossians chapter 2? Colossians chapter 2. Uh, do you have the Amplified Bible in your, your screen? 
You hope so. Magic Church, I love that when people can get that stuff up there. Boy, it's three o'clock. <laughs> it is. I'm going to read this from the Amplified Bible. And um, I want you to get this because I want to take you someplace to where you already are. Paul says, for in him, the whole fullness of deity, the Godhead, continues to dwell in bodily form, giving complete expression of the divine nature. In him, the whole fullness of deity, the Godhead, continues to dwell in bodily form, giving complete expression of the divine nature. In heaven, there's a man. That man is the full embodiment of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God and man in one, one human being. The scripture says he has received the overwhelming fullness of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus was talking to his disciples and seeking to encourage them about his departure, and he was saying to them, it is necessary for me to leave because if I don't leave, then the Holy Spirit or the Comforter won't come. He said, but it's my desire that you know that my Father and I, we will come and we will take up residence in you. You can read all of this in John 14. We will come and we will take up residence in you. How will you do that? Through the Holy Spirit. Please, please get this. When Jesus says, the works that I do, you will do also, he's also saying to me, the works that I did, the miracles that I did, the things that seemed to you to be absolutely miraculous, I didn't do them as God. If Jesus casts out demons as God, then you and I can't cast out demons. But his demonstration is that as a man, as a human being, I relied wholly and totally upon the Holy Spirit. Nothing that I did I did on my own as God. I did it as a man under the influence, under the inspiration, under the motivation of the Holy Spirit. Somebody say Holy Spirit. So he says, so if I leave, then you can have something that you can't have when I'm here. I'm one person. Jesus is a person, a human being. He's standing in a specific place. And uh, someone says to him, my servant is grievously vexed with, and Jesus says, I'll come and heal him. And the centurion says, oh, you don't have to come. Just say the word. You guys, you know that. Just say the word and my servant will be healed. And Jesus looks at him and he says, I haven't found faith like that in all of Israel. Say the word. 
And so Jesus says the word, and in the moment that he says the word, at the same exact moment that he says the word, the servant is healed. How, how did he do that? Because he didn't lay hands on him, he didn't have to get there, but here's what he knew. He knew that when I cast out a demon, it, I do it by the Holy Spirit. So when Jesus says, come out, the Holy Spirit is the executor of that particular command. When you say, come out, the Holy Spirit is the executor of that command. When you say, be healed in the name of Jesus, it's the Holy Spirit that's doing the work. A lot of times people get credit for it, and that's because they don't understand that God alone wants the glory for it. So when he says, come out in the name of Jesus, for instance, and, and I'm going somewhere, so stay with me, all right? When he says, if I cast out demons... If I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, then you know the kingdom of God has come upon you. I cast out demons by the Spirit of God. Say that. I cast out demons by the Spirit. Say, we cast out demons by the Spirit of God. Now, there's another, there's another verse in the gospel where he says, if I cast out demons by the finger of God, the finger of God, the instrument of his power. And the only other time that that word is used like that is in the book of Exodus when the magicians are trying to reproduce all of the different signs that are taking place. And so they can, they can reproduce blood, they can reproduce snakes, they can reproduce, but then they get to this thing called gnats. And they can't reproduce gnats. And so they come to, they come to Pharaoh and they said, we can't do gnats. <laughs> and then they said, this must be the finger of God. Tell somebody next to you, don't let God give you the finger. <laughs> the finger of God is the power of God. You and I have living inside of us, according to Jesus. He says, my father and I we will come and we will take up our abode or our residence in you. So living in you today, if you are a believer, is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now you say, how can that be? I don't know. There are some things that you just aren't qualified to understand. We're just not qualified. Even when you get to heaven, there are still going to be some things that you can't understand because there will never be a point when you can be God. But God says, I'll live in you, I'll dwell in you. In fact, he says, your body is my temple. Your body is the place where I am. Right now, if you're spirit-filled, if you're a believer, God is in you. The, the big challenge that I feel like we have in life is that we have this resident in us, God, Father, God's Son, God Holy Spirit, living in you, living in you, living in you. And He, the Holy Spirit, is the most underutilized person in the church. Rereading a little book called Prison to Praise by Chaplain Carruthers. And Chaplain Carruthers says, there's a moment when he said,
Jesus, I want you just to use me. And he said, Jesus said, Merlin, I want you to use me. I thought, wow, I can use Jesus. But most of the time, he remains unused because we don't realize who's in us. If, if you carried in your life the, the idea that some significant supernatural person was with you. You know, when my wife is with me, there are certain things I don't say about her. <laughs> I'm telling you the truth, not just say. Because she's with me. But when she's not with me, I have a little more freedom. There's still some things I won't say about her because y'all talk in this. Bishop said, and I said, girl, I didn't tell you that to tell her, but there are things that I need and you and I need to become more aware of, and it is the, it is the presence of the resident Holy Spirit who is in you. He lives in you. And here's the thing I want you to see, because I want to take you someplace. In this text, is it on the screen yet? Yeah, kind of. All right. He says, huh? Okay, there's one back there on the other one too. But see, all right, so read that with me. Come on. For in him, come on, the whole fullness of deity, the Godhead, continues to dwell in bodily form, getting complete expression of the divine nature. All right. That's, but the next verse is the most interesting to me. And it says, come on. Verse 10. Come on, in him, you have been made complete, achieving spiritual stature through Christ, and he is the head. Now, that's not the new, that's not the amplified translation. Let me read it from the amplified. It's louder. <laughs> and you are in him, made full having come to fullness of life in Christ, you too are filled with the Godhead. Whoa. In Christ, you too are filled with the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and reach full spiritual stature. He is the head of all rule and authority of every angelic principality and power. You, if you have... God living in you, you don't have a miniature version. You don't have an optimized version suitable for your body. My wife, my wife has prayed for, for children to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And when a three-year-old is baptized in the Holy Spirit, they don't get a three-year-old version of the Holy Spirit. They get the mature expression of Holy Spirit, God, Holy Spirit living inside of them. They can hear from him. He can talk to them. He can commune with them. And he will do it in their language. And many times, they'll hear something from God that we can't hear because we're just too mature. How does God live in you? What, what, what is it that you are? 
how did God make you in such a way that he could actually come and take up residence in you and not feel crowded? I'm just thinking out loud and maybe sharing this, this thought with that when I received the Holy Spirit, I didn't know all that I had. I still don't know that all that I have. There are things that you're not going to know until you stand in front of God and you start to say, God, what about this? I, I think I've got questions I'm going to ask him when I get to heaven. And by the time I get there, there will be so many people who've already been ahead of me asking questions when I, I just say, God, I had a question, but I'm just glad to be here. I'm, I'm just, look, I'm just glad to be here. Holy Spirit. Say Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit makes it possible for Father, Son, Holy Spirit to live inside of me. I said it yesterday. When Solomon was praying and he was dedicating the temple, he said to God, who is there that can build a house for you? The heavens of heavens can contain you. And when he said that, there was no Hubble telescope. There weren't even the new telescopes that they have now that allow us to peer out into space light years away. That's the only way you can describe that. Millions of light years away. There is no way to understand that when you think of all of the galaxies and the millions of galaxies and the billions of galaxies and the billions of stars within each galaxy and all of that is contained in him. He is the expression of all of that. It's all in him. And this God who can have the universe living inside of him has chosen to live inside of you. So God, how, how do you do that? He says, if I tell you, I might have to kill you. <laughs> we looked at it yesterday. That when Jesus said to the disciples, on Resurrection Sunday evening, he walked into a room and he said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive. It wasn't just a suggestion. It was a command. It was an exhortation. The word receive doesn't just mean receive, but it means welcome. Embrace. Own it. Take it. It's yours. He's yours. And when you receive him, you welcome him. He's in your room. He's in your life. And he's simply waiting for you. Just say, hey, Joseph, yes, give me something to do, man. You're, you're trying to make this happen yourself. Receive the Holy Spirit. So he breathed upon them, and he re they received the Holy Spirit. That's called, that's called Resurrection Sunday. Derek Prince says the two most important Sundays in history, church history, Resurrection Sunday, when they were born again, and Pentecost Sunday, when they were empowered by the Holy Spirit that was already in them. And that day, something amazing took place. And I want you to look at it with me, please. Acts chapter 2. And I'm going to start at verse 1. 
When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. Suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as of fire distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Would you say that, please? And they were Say it again. And they all began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. They all began to speak with other tongues. Here's what Derek says, and, and I just think it's so profound and it's simple. He said, every born-again child of God through rebirth has received the Holy Spirit as life. So when people say, I'm born again, what they're saying is that the Holy Spirit has come into me, the life of the resurrected Christ is in me, and I am now a new creature in Christ by faith. But then he says, but every born-again child of God, according to the New Testament, needs to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and receive the supernatural power for witness. To receive the Holy Spirit in new birth is one thing. To receive the Holy Spirit in power is something completely different. And a lot of people who've received the Holy Spirit in new birth, they want to assume that the birth and the power are the same thing. But those who had received the birth were told by Jesus after, after 40 days of conversation and instruction after 40 days with all that they had he said now go to Jerusalem stay there somebody say stay there stay there look ask, ask someone say did you stay all right they stay there until you have received power I love that word say power, power. stay there until you have received power and here's what here's what Derek says from Acts 2 onwards, in the New Testament, the phrase receiving the Holy Spirit always refers to the Pentecost Sunday experience. He's not talking about that evening resurrection experience. He's talking about that morning experience on the day of Pentecost when people were baptized. It was a phenomena. The phenomena of that added experience that took place that morning was a lot different than what took place that you can receive the Holy Spirit in new birth and no one ever see it. You can say, Lord, I want to give you my heart and you repent and he say, so when did you receive the Holy Spirit? Well, I don't really know, but I know when I prayed. The wind blows where it wants to blow. You hear the sound but you can't tell where it's coming from or where it's going. He says, so is everyone who is born of the Spirit. I love the people who can say, I know exactly the day that I was born again. Now, I grew up in a Pentecostal church. I'm not sure I was ever born again every day. Like I, you know, every, when, when were you born again? Well, I think I was born again on that day, but then I backslid and then I had to get born again. I, I've been born again about a hundred times. Anybody understand what I'm saying? 
because there is this silent initiative of the Holy Spirit where he just simply comes and he rests in you. Some people don't know they've been born again until after a few days after they're born again, that life changed for them. And they see the Bible differently. They see life differently. When did that happen? I don't know. Looked at my hands and my hands look new. Looked at my feet and they did too. And ever since that wonderful day, my soul been satisfied. Say, when was that? I don't know. I just know that it took place. See, I don't have to know when I was born to know that I'm born. If you don't remember your birthday, it doesn't mean you're not here. But you need to remember the time that you had an encounter with God that radically changed everything for you. And when the day of Pentecost came, something happened on that day that you can't change. Theologians and people who aren't accustomed to that experience, they look at that and just say, well, you know, we all got the same thing. We all got the same thing at the same time. No, 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 you didn't. You, you didn't and you don't. They all began to speak with other tongues as, come on, say, as the Spirit gave them words to say. And here's what took place. They began to praise God in a language they never knew. They began to exhort him. And while others like to say they began to preach the gospel on the day of Pentecost, that's not what took place. They exhorted him. They, they worshiped him. I had a friend. He was praying for a young a young woman in, uh, in Poland, he said he had to be translated three times in that particular group of people because the language was different. And he says that, that afternoon when they prayed for people to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, there was this little lady, and he's praying for him. She had a babushka on, and, and he said as he started praying for her to receive, she started saying these words, Oh, God, I thank you. You're such a wonderful God. You're such an amazing God. And he says, No, 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 lady, you got to use tongues. And she says, He's a wonderful God. And, he, and then it dawned on him, she can't speak English. She was speaking in tongues. And she wasn't preaching. She was just telling God how good he is. If you can't find any other way to tell God how good he is, and he knows how good he is, infinite goodness, he knows how good he is, glorious goodness, he knows there are moments in your life when you can't say to God everything that's in your heart to say. Every now and then, thank you, Jesus. It, it'll work for a while. But when he really turns loose and blesses you, there's something that you just, God, I just go, uh, uh, it's a soul satisfying way of communicating with God. On the day of Pentecost, speaking in tongues, in the Gentile house of Cornelius, here's what but Peter said, they have received the Holy Spirit just as we did, just like we did. I asked people, when did you receive the Holy Spirit? Yes. I said, did you get a prayer language? you have a prayer language? Oh, no, 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 prayer language. And they, and they tried to tell me, no, we, I got the whole thing. No, I said, no, no, no. You were born again here. Being baptized, that's here. Filled with the Holy Spirit, that's here. Now, here's the question I want to raise. When you have been invited, and if you'll go back to that passage in Colossians 2 for just a second, I want you to see this. 
Are you there? Colossians 2. He says, and you are in him. Remember that passage? The, Colossians 2.10. Who's in charge up there? <laughs> there it is. Now, I want you to change this just a little bit. Are you all there? Are you all staying around? Just Okay. So when is he going to get to the point? It says, and you are in him, made full, having come to fullness of life. I want you to do this. I want you to say, I am in him, made full, come to fullness of life. In Christ, I too am filled with the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In Christ, I too and filled with the Godhead. When you were baptized in the Holy Spirit, when you were filled, when you were a believer, you were invited into this phenomenal family called the Trinity. You're not, a, you're not the Trinity. You're just a part of the Trinity family. But in the Trinity family, there are things that you still can't work out. There are things that you still can't, can't dialogue about. And I want you to see this. Go with me, please, to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. As uh, Britney Spears said to her second husband, I'm not going to keep you long, all right? All right. I'm... I'm at 1 Corinthians, did I say 14? Okay, 14. Verse 2. A number of years ago, I was trying to sort out what speaking in tongues meant, why. I'm still sorting it out, but I have a little more understanding than I had before I started sorting it out. And, um, and as I started sorting it out, I went back to uh, 1 Corinthians 14. And the reason I did is because some of the kids in our church said, John MacArthur has just preached a message against speaking in tongues. And it's really shaken us up. Will you do a series on speaking in tongues? And so I said, yes. My son Joey was working at the radio station. He got me a set of the tapes that John MacArthur did. And do y'all understand something? When people have never spoken in tongues, they can't explain speaking in tongues. I don't know how to say that. I mean, if you've never tasted strawberries, you can't tell me how strawberries taste. When you haven't had an encounter with the Lord, if you don't know that sometimes you can have an encounter with God that will, that will touch your body in such a way like you did when you put your finger in a socket. And it will whack you. And, and, and when, you, when, it, when he does that, when the Holy Spirit does that to you, just say, why did you do that? He says... If I tell you, I gotta kill you. <laughs> I just say, I say, never mind, God. But boy, that was really something. And 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 I, I live in a world, particularly because we are so intellectually oriented, that that world tells us that we can understand everything anytime we want to. And if you can't understand it, just Google it. 
And there's so much stuff in Google that has nothing to do with the kind of experience that you've had. If people in your circle don't understand what it means to have an encounter with the living God, you can't explain that to them. And, and they will say things to you like, God would never do that. And I would say, well, how do you know what God would never do? I mean, you've got to know everything that God does in order to know what he doesn't do. God's got strange ways. That's what Isaiah said. Jesus comes to somebody, and he, and he needs to be healed. He's blind, blind from birth. And he walks up to Jesus, and Jesus looks at him for a minute. Jesus only does what the Father tells him to do. That's what he said. He looks at the guy for a minute, and he just says, <laughs> and he makes mud, and he smears it on this guy's eyes. We've read this so much, it seems normal. But the people who saw it, they didn't think it was normal. I still don't think it's normal. But when he put that mud on that guy's eyes and he walked away and he, he came back seeing, everybody now wants to know uh, approximately how much mud and how much... No, no. It's, it's, that's not the recipe. The recipe is that you heard from God and you did something that somebody else would say, that really stupid. The blind man couldn't see it. There's another guy who wasn't blind. He couldn't talk. And Jesus grabbed his tongue, put some spit on his tongue. And he's looking at him. I mean, it's like he caught him by unawares. And it's like, hey, put on his tongue. And the guy says, I think here's what happened. I think the guy said, Plah! why did you do that? Oh, never mind. I can talk. <laughs> He does all things well. Elisha, yes, we lost that iron head. Where? In the water right over there. He said, bring me a stick. And he takes a stick and he throws it in where the iron head and the iron comes floating to the surface. That's not magic, that's obedience. So when... When John MacArthur tells me or wants to talk to me about speaking in tongues, I know he doesn't have a clue. He's a really nice guy, written some wonderful things and written some not so wonderful things. But people who are void of an experience with God, of an encounter with God, often will find themselves speaking as an authority about something you don't know anything about. It's like the guy on the television, he says, no, I never went to school, but I spent the night at a Holiday Inn Express. Look, if that's your authenticity, if that's where you're getting your background from, I don't want your help. If I need brain surgery, I don't want to know that all you can do is speak in tongues. I would rather have a speaking in tongues guy who has done brain surgery, but if I can't get a speaking in tongues guy who's done brain surgery, I'd rather have a pagan who's done 3,000. Experience. Somebody say experience. So listen to this passage. 
1 Corinthians 14, verse 2. The one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. For no one understands, but in his spirit he speaks mysteries. In his spirit he speaks mysteries. In his spirit he speaks mysteries. We don't like mysteries. We, we want to explain everything. I want to, how does that work? You can, you can ask questions, how does this work? But the fact that you can look and see the, the combination of the ingredients that are going in, all the things that are taking place, that still isn't going to tell you how it works. That isn't going to tell you how the universe works just because you can explain it. I think today, I, I, I feel like quantum physicists have a greater faith than seminary professors. Quantum physicists, they don't have to see it to believe it. They just know if it works, it works. And it works like this, but sometimes it works like that. It doesn't always work the same way. Well, how can it be that? He said, I don't know. But they accept it. They have this thing called, the question they ask, is light a particle or is it a wave? And the answer is yes. <laughs> well, how can it be both? Oh, yes. It can be both. They have this thing called the observer effect, that just the very act of looking at something changes it. Take your day of Pentecost. They're speaking, on, they're speaking in tongues. It's an amazing thing. Some look at it and they say, these are drunk. Others say, this is God. What is it? It's both. The idea that we can see something and change it because we make an observation about it. And here's where the issue of mystery is. Mystery means it's incomprehensible. It's wonderful. If it's a mystery, it'll stay a mystery. And you won't ever figure it out. And then it'll get even more mysterious. The more you examine it, the more mysterious it'll get. And you'll start scratching your head. I don't know how that works. How does God Almighty God, who fills the universe, who fills everything, how does he reduce himself to the ability to come and live in Apostle Kirshner? Somebody say, great big God. Great big God. He didn't reduce himself. He didn't reduce himself. He made you big. So big that the God of the universe in all of his godness can come and find a comfortable space in your life and still room for leave room for other things to go on at the same time. Say to somebody, I'm bigger on the inside than I am on the outside. I'm bigger on the inside than I am on the outside. I'm bigger on the inside than I am on the outside. I'm bigger on the inside than I am on the outside. 
I'm bigger than I am on the outside. That's why the Apostle John says, greater is he that lives in you. He didn't come to visit. He came to take up residence. And he will even live there and let you misrun it and still not leave. Who's managing your life? Well, once in a while, Jesus is, but most of the time, it's Barbara. <laughs> don't, don't tell her I said that, all right? Just, I want you to get this. When I'm speaking in tongues, I'm speaking mysteries. My son, our youngest son, when we were teaching them to offer thanks at the dinner table, first two guys that did a great job, and then it was Kip's turn. I said, Kip, you say the grace. And so Kip bowed his head, closed his eyes, and, when, and then he started eating. I said, I said, son, did you pray? He said, yes. I said, we didn't hear you. He said, I wasn't talking to you, Dad. <laughs> He's still alive, but the, the point is, if you don't understand what I'm saying when I'm speaking in tongues, it's because I'm not talking to you. I am in communion with the God of the universe, the God who knows everything. I don't know what I'm saying. I just know that I'm saying something. I do understand that I had been invited by the, by the Holy Spirit into the privilege of communing with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I was in Indonesia, and they were singing this beautiful worship song, and, and it was in Indonesian, their language, and I couldn't understand a single thing that they were saying, but as they were singing it, I knew it was a worship song. Holy Spirit was all over me, and I'm on my face. I don't know what they're saying, but I know something is being said that's beyond my comprehension. And here's the thing that I want you to get. He says, in him, somebody say in him. Yeah. All the fullness of the Godhead is abiding in me and I have been invited into a fellowship with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. I've invited into a conversation that's taking place and I participate in that conversation without having a clue as to what I'm saying. I just know that I'm there. It's the language of wonder. Would you say that? It's the language of wonder. We speak God's wisdom in mystery. Not only is speaking in tongues the language of wonder, it's the language of work. Look at this text. He says, one who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. The word edify means to build up. That if, if on a given morning I just came and I wanted to run stairs, I'm, I'm working out, I'm exercising my body. If I'm walking, I'm exercising my body. If I'm riding my bicycle, I'm exercising my body. When I speak in tongues, I am doing a spiritual exercise of the inner person. And I'm 
edifying. I'm building up, as Jude said, I'm building up myself on my most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. It's the language of word. I can speak in tongues and wash dishes. I can speak in tongues and cut the grass. I can speak in tongues and change diapers. I can speak in tongues while Barbara's shopping. I mean, it's just a, it's a useful, useful tool in my life. It's the, it's, the, it's the language of work. Listen to Jude chapter 20. He says, you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. There have been a number of days that I, when I'm out walking, I'm, I'm out walking and, I, and I'm, I'm just praying in tongues, edifying. At the same time I'm edifying my outward person, I'm edifying my inward person. The language of work. Don't have time to completely develop, but I want to give you an idea. It's the language of wonder. Say please. Say, say that. It's the language of wonder. It's the language of work. And it's the language of worship. Look at verse 7 in 1 Corinthians 14. Yet even lifeless things, either flute or harp, in producing a sound, if they do not produce a distinction in the tones, how will I know what is played on the flute for a harp? Now, Paul is helping the Corinthians to understand the implications and the very paradigms that are associated with speaking in tongues. And, and Paul and the Corinthians and the Ephesians, these were people who came into the power of God through ministry. So Paul doesn't have to explain to them baptism and Holy Spirit is accompanied by speaking in tongues. He doesn't have to explain that because that's how they came in. The Ephesian church, when Paul came to them, he says, did you receive uh, the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, haven't even heard about it. And so he explains that, baptizes them, laid hands upon them, and the Bible says they begin to speak in tongues and prophesy. So when Paul says to the Ephesians, be filled with the Spirit, they don't need to have that explained because that's how they began. There are a number of people, and I just say this in, in, with all sincerity and humility, there are a number of people who have a genuine born-again experience, but they lack power. Because somebody told them, the day you received the Holy Spirit as resurrection life, that's also the day you were baptized in power. You were filled with the Holy Spirit then. You all received it. No, no, no. See, and that's the challenge that we're facing because we're trying to fight a battle with, with weapons that the church had that we aren't using. We can have them. The weapons of our warfare are not, but they're mighty in God. So it's the language of worship. Paul says, I will sing with the Spirit and I will sing with an understanding. Notice, please, he says, I will sing with the Spirit and I will sing with an understanding. I will pray with the Spirit, and I will pray with an understanding also. Paul's primary worship prayer language was speaking in tongues. Because there are things that you cannot tell God about when you don't know what to tell him. The Spirit of God, the Bible says, makes intercession for me with groanings that are too deep for words. One of, my, one of my friends, he says, I was asking God, God, how do I pray this? Holy Spirit, how do I pray this? And he says, Holy Spirit said, why don't you let me pray it for you? You're looking at a problem you can't solve. 
and you're saying, how do I pray for this? Listen, stop trying to figure out how to pray for this and just and get satisfied that something is taking place. When people don't understand things, they ridicule them. They ridicule. They ridicule because they don't know what to do. There is no place in, in church today. Most of the churches are kind of like, uh, uh, let me just say, uh, it's, a, it's a gathering of people who show up um, for about 45 minutes. They listen to a couple of songs. They listen to a sermonette before simplinettes. And, um, and then they leave. And they'll go and spend four hours at the football game. Come here. And say, hey, would you like to go to church with me? How long does it last? <laughs> first thing, they'll ask you. First thing, how long does it last? Say, hey, look, I got tickets to the football game. Can you go? Let me just, I'm going to make some adjustments. Got to let my, and they, and they get ready because they know it's going to take an hour to get there. And it's going to take another hour to set up your, you know, your, your little stuff out there in the, in the parking lot and all that. And then it's going to take another hour with commercials and all that other stuff. You're not going to get home before five. And you're left at noon. And you come to church and you say, can we get in and can we get out? And now we're trying to satisfy people who have a deep hunger for God. And they don't know that God doesn't just show up when you say, come. We call it waiting on him. And it's in this place of worship where I find myself at times just saying to God, I worship you, almighty God. There is none like you. I worship you. Oh, Prince of Peace, that is all I long to do. I give you praise, for you are my righteousness. I worship you, Almighty God. Almighty God, there is none. I'm in a place and I don't know the words. I get the melody down and then I just go to the other dimension and I sing. Any melody works. I worship you. There, there is none. Denny Manso, when his boys were really small, they were screaming at him. He said, Dad, something's in the room. They had been watching a horror movie, and somehow it had come back to bite him. They were little guys. And so Vinny came in. He's a spiritual warrior. 
walks into the room and he senses their fear and he says, he comes after it in spiritual warfare language. And I bang this thing. And, and, um, and he finished. He says, guys, you're okay. Yeah, dad, we're good. And he leaves. About an hour later, they're screaming again. He comes back and he says, what's the problem? He said, it's back. And he says, I come against this thing in the name of Jesus. I bind it. And his son says, stop, dad. Not like that. Pray in that funny language. It feels better when you do it. <laughs> the children had an awareness that this somehow is this. And listen to, listen to what he says in this text. I'm at, I'm at the language of warfare. He says, if the bugle produces an indistinct sound, who will pre prepare himself to battle? If the bugle plays an uncertain sound, who will prepare? Look, speaking in tongues is an act of war. Even if you're not doing it loud, it's still an act of war. You encounter something. I had some friends who went to uh, Washington, D.C. a couple of years ago, and, and the witches were out on the, the porch of the Supreme Court, and she and her kids from high school, they were there, and she walked up alongside one of these, quit, quote, witches, and she just started saying, and within minutes, the witch had grabbed her purse and she had found another place to go. It's the language of warfare. I said it's the language of warfare. Have you ever been in a moment in your life when you're having a sweet time in God and you're worshiping and, and your prayer language is just great and you say, Come on, help me. She's like, yeah, I'm all sick. If you have prayer language. And right in the middle, somehow, without any kind of segue at all, you say, yeah, He said, what happened? He says, you made a transition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you went from worship to warfare, or we sometimes call it warship. Something explodes. We've been in meetings when the Holy Spirit has empowered us to pray in our language, sometimes in worship, sometimes in an in, in exciting kind of adjustment in the, in the atmosphere around you, and something changes all of a sudden. So when he gives us that amazing moment on the day of Pentecost and empowers us, he's saying to us, here is something that you can use. I have a Swiss Army knife. Anybody know what that is? I got a Swiss Army knife where you can have one of those little two things that they have. But it, it's not just the knife. It's a pair of scissors. It's a pair of fingernail clippers. It's, uh, it's a screwdriver, it's a pair of pliers, it's a saw, it's a big one. When God gave you this baptism in the Holy Spirit with a language, he gave you all kinds of resources in this thing called speaking in tongues. So that there are times when if you need to make a little snip with something, you can scan the kobasate. But there are moments in your life when you need a little more than that and you go for it and you start empowering yourself. 
tell this story of this little lady. She was disappointed, and she said, she says, Bishop, would you pray for me? I said, why? She says, my son won't behave. And I said, well, what's this problem? She said, well, he says he doesn't want to come to church anymore. And I said, well, where's his dad? She says, we haven't seen him in a long time. How old is he, 14? Do you buy food for him? Yeah. Clothes? Yep. And, he can, and he's still saying he's not going to come to church? She says, yes. I said, do you have a war tongue? And she says, what's a war tongue? I said, think of it like this. Remember in the, in the movie, The Color Purple, when Seely pointed? She, she, it wasn't like this. She did kind of like this at, the, at that guy and said a couple of things, and he disappeared. I said, next time he tells you, I'm not coming, just do something like this. Can I see Neka? <laughs> Saw her a little later on. I said, where's your son? He's right there. He asked me, asked me if I wanted him to wear a tie. It's the language of warfare. 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 We have to we have to get out of here. When you are challenged and you're facing something that you don't have a handle on, don't try to make it happen. There are a lot of things going on in the world. I don't have an answer for it, but I'll tell you what, I can look at some things, and there, there are some things that are going on in the world. You don't have to tell me it's the devil. I, I just know that's the devil. I know God would never do anything like that. And so I'm standing there looking at it. My, my son, when he was 17, came home from high school, graduation, his eyes were dilated, red, his breath reeked of, of alcohol, and he said, Dad, he said, uh, there's a party tonight for those of us who graduated. And he, I said, really? I said, what time? He said, uh, he said it's going to start at 11. I said, at 11 o'clock? He said, Dad, yes. He said, that's normal. I said, not here. He said, but everybody's going to be there, Dad. I said, not everybody. <laughs> and, uh, and that's when the fight started. And he wanted to know why I was making those decisions. I said, because in this family, we believe in the golden rule. He said, what's that? I said, the one with the gold makes the rules. <laughs> And he pressed. He went upstairs, got his stuff, and ran away. And my wife and I just prayed in the spirit. One day he called me, and he said, Dad, I, I, I want to come over and I want to talk to you. And I said, okay. He says, I'm thinking about joining the military. And I said, really? I said, uh, what branch are you thinking about joining? Now, he doesn't like to say yes, sir, doesn't like to say no, sir, doesn't like to say yes, ma'am, doesn't like to say no, ma'am, doesn't like to be told what to wear, doesn't like to be told when to get up and when he has to go to bed. He doesn't like any of that stuff, but he wants to join the Marines. Now, I could not have asked God for the Marines. All I did was sit kielbasate 
And he sorted it out for me. He's sitting in my living room with his recruiting sergeant. And he's the sergeant telling me how great a kid he is. And I'm going to be proud of him. And I said, yes. And I'm sitting on the outside, but I'm, I'm, I'm jumping up and down on the inside. I mean, I'm, I said, yes, and you're going to have him. 30 days, he's at Paris Island. 30 days, I get a phone call from Paris Island. Would you accept a collect call from Kip? I said, yes. And I said, Kip, how are you? He says, sir, I'm doing fine. I'm talking about praying in tongues. I'm talking about believing God for something. You see, you say, I can't manage my, kill, my children, but you can't say, I can't manage my children and then sing God's in control. I said, would you like to speak to your mother? He said, sir, I'd be happy to speak to mother. She says, how are you doing, honey? He says, sir, I'm doing fine. They, they had gotten served down into his spirit. They did what I couldn't do in 17 years, but with the power of the Holy Ghost, praying in tongues, believing God, I found this place. Let me just share one more with you. It's the language of wonder. Say that, please. It's the language of work. It's the language of worship. It's the language of warfare. It's the language of weakness. We don't know how to pray as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for me with groanings that are too deep for words. I've lost a lot of friends over the past few years. There are things that are going on in our world that I wish we could change. Things are going on in our church. People that I thought were walking with God are no longer walking with God, no longer believing. And I'm trying to sort all that out, and I'm, and I'm telling him, God, I need answers for questions that people are raising. I need answers for questions for things that are taking place. And here's what Paul says in Romans chapter 8. He says, but we do not know how to pray as we ought. We don't know how to pray as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings that are too deep for words. And this is a, I don't know how to explain this any other way, but I know what it's like to pray in tongues. I know that there are moments when I'm praying in tongues, my language can change from what I'm familiar with to something else. But I also know that there is something, and I don't want to explain this to you, but there's something that I believe is deeper than tongues. And it's what Paul calls groanings. Groanings that are deeper than words. Tongues are words, but groanings are deeper. I don't know if you've ever seen that. There are moments in the Bible when one word 
begins a particular passage of scripture, and it's the word or the sound O. O is an expression of wonder. It's an expression of excitement. It's an expression of surprise. But O is also an expression of, oh, mama's kneeling at the bed of a baby that they've been saying to her, we don't know if he's going to survive. And she's not there saying, oh, God, you can do this, you can do this. She says, oh, oh. Oh, groanings that are deeper than words. Sometimes just the name Jesus. Jesus. When you can't find the words to pray and you don't know just what to say. Say the name of Jesus. Say the name of Jesus. Say the name so precious, so precious. No other name I know. Say the name of Jesus. Say the name of Jesus. Say the name so precious, so precious. No other name I know. It will come and dry your tears and wipe away your pain when you can't find the words to say and you don't know just what to pray say the My daughter was in the back of the station wagon. And we had just come from a meeting where I'd been preaching on faith. She's about four years old. And she, she had a headache. And so she's, she's back there on her hands and knees and she says, my head is hurting, my head is hurting. And I said, honey, don't say my head is hurting. She says, well, dad, what should I say? And Kip, this guy who said, I wasn't talking to you, he says to her, say, I believe I'm healed, Shauna. Say, I believe I'm healed. And so Shauna said, I believe I'm healed. I believe I'm healed. But my head is still hurting. <laughs> I, I don't know if you've ever been in a place where what you believe and what is really going on seem to be in conflict. And sometimes the only thing that will bring those two conflicting things together is your ability to understand. I have living inside of me, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.
I'm not defeated. I'm not wiped out. He's there. And I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I'm empowered. Would you say that? I'm empowered. Would you stand with me for a minute? The privilege that we have as children of the living God, we're part of God's family. He's not ashamed to say I'm a part of his family. There have been times when I've been ashamed to say I was a part of his family. Another boy had just received Christ and went away to camp and his mother was concerned about him. And she said, honey, what happened when they found out you were a Christian? He said, mom, they never found out. What is it like to have someone of the eminence that God has in the universe who made a decision to create you in such a way that he could come and live in you? Take a residence in you. Call your body his temple and do things for you without you even knowing that he did it. It's, it's, someone says, and, and you, you know, we prayed this prayer. We, we say, God, we thank you that you have kept us from dangers seen and unseen. This God looks after you. He, he walks with you. He, he, when he protects you from something, he doesn't tell you in that moment, I protected you. I kept you from that. He just does it. And very often, I'm like that, that grandma who gets something good but then finds something wrong with it. Where's his hat? Gratitude is the least deeply felt of all human emotions. It's hard for people to say thank you. But Paul says it in this text. When I'm praying in tongues, I'm giving thanks well. If you have a prayer language, would you just fill the room with your words? Just lift your voice. Let the buzz of this moment. Rosha beseke kaladadada. Pela, pela, tu me bikisitia. Pesperitura. If you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus into your life as Lord and Savior, this would be the most amazing moment in your life and the history of your experience. Thank you, Jesus. Robo Baba Sarabela.
Thank you, Father. Jesus, sweet Holy Spirit, we welcome you this morning. You are the drawing power. Draw us to you today with cords of loving kindness. Holy Spirit, come rest on us. Come rest on us. Thank you, Lord. That night in the woods, Jacob is fleeing from an angry brother and he's resting in an obscure place, so afraid of all that's going on, yet not having any idea that he's about to have an encounter with the God of his father and the God of his grandfather. And he lies in this place, totally unaware that he didn't choose the place as much as the place chose him. He lighted on a spot. And in that moment of revelation, dreams, angels ascending and descending, God speaking to him, telling him who he is, the God of his father, Abraham, and the God of Isaac. And then making promises to him, Jacob awakened from that moment and he said, how awesome is this place? Somebody say this place. This morning, this is an awesome place. And we're privileged to be here. Some of us, we're not even aware of all that God's doing in us because he doesn't tell us all that he's doing. He does surgery without saying, I'm going to put you out. He heals without saying to you, I healed you. Some of you don't even realize that you're healed until you get home or when you try to go up the stairs and you don't feel it in your knees like you felt it before because you were in this place. And this place can show up anywhere. But he said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God, the gateway to heaven. You're standing at the gateway would you put a desire in your heart like Jacob did that, that night? Put a desire, express it to God in words. Make it as high as heaven or as deep as hell. Don't limit it. Don't just simply say, well, I don't want to bother God. You're talking about the God who created the universe. You got a desire and it hasn't been met yet. You got a prophetic word and it hasn't been fulfilled yet in this atmosphere. Just take a few moments, turn the key with a prayer language, and then step back from the open door, and then just say, God, this is what I want from you.
it must be godly but it doesn't have to be easy close your eyes place one of your hands over your heart and say these words Holy Spirit you are creator God you created the universe nothing is hard for you I stand here in this place with this request knowing it's not too big or impossible that you're able to do exceeding and abundantly everything that I could ask think or imagine because you are in me the power is in me I take a deep breath and just ask ask big want to praise you forever and ever and ever for all that you've done for me blessing knows this song. Just want to praise you. Just, Just want to praise you. Jesus, thank you, Jesus. 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. For Right where you are, thank him. Open your mouth wide and let him have it. Give it to him. It's the praise he's due. I all belong to you. They all belong to you. Say it. They all belong to you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for 